Welcome to the Mission Matters podcast, celebrating the people and initiatives that embody the Jesuit tradition of St. Louis University, celebrating what matters in the 200-year-old-plus mission that is St. Louis U, brought to you from the Office of Mission and Identity. Welcome back. This is Virginia Herbers from the Office of Mission and Identity, and I am pleased to have with us today Dr. Richard Marks, who is the Assistant Vice President for Diversity and Innovative Community Engagement, Assistant VP of DICE, and also serves as the Director for the Cross-Cultural Center here on campus. So thank you for being with us, Richard. Thank you, Virginia, for having me. I am glad to be here. I'm open to this wonderful dialogue we're going to have. So let's hop on in and (laughs) Let's jump right in. Talk to us a little bit about the center, about your work. Well, the Cross-Cultural Center is um, the center where we do cross-cultural things. So not, I I think a lot of students typically think that Cross-Culture Center is just here for underrepresented students only, Mm -hmm. but we cater to all students. We do have a focus on our minoritized and underrepresented groups to bring and have a voice for those students, for those demographics. But that is not who we are here to only serve. And I think what I would like for the SLU community to know is that we're here to do and work for all students. We're a steward of all students, faculty and staff. So there is no particular demographic only that we're going to cater to. There is no particular student that we're going to cater to. We're going to cater to all. But our focus, our focus is on our underrepresented and minoritized groups. Very good. So all are welcome. All are very welcome. So what are some of the exciting things going on? Wow. The Cross-Culture Center has a lot of things that we're doing here. And so let me talk about some of the things we've done in the past. Great. Here recently, one of the things we did in conjunction with um, the Student Involvement Center was our drag show. It was the first ever drag show that we had done. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of the students wanted to see that, but I know that sometimes that can be very challenging for our Jesuit mission um, and for our Catholic, specifically our Catholic identified um, faculty, staff, students, as well as alumni. Mm-hmm. Well, in the Cross-Culture Center, our focus is for us to follow the Jesuit mission as well, which we are for all. And we're not going to turn away. We're not going to admonish. We're not going to, in any way, any particular group of people. We have trans students here. We have gay folk. We have LGBT folk. We have Black folk. We have Asian. We have a, a variety of different identities in regards to different racial, ethnic religious, et cetera. And so it was a great time. It was a great turnout. We had over 300 plus students that came. The room was completely full. So it was the first time ever doing it. It was a great success. And it wasn't a knock or a negative to our Jesuit community as well as to our Catholic um, community as well. So so that's one of the things that we've done. We did another course, uh, collaborative work with um, Housing and Residence Life with our Tunnel of Oppression. Tunnel of Oppression happened November 11th to the 15th. And the Tunnel of Oppression is kind of like a simulated uh, museum, if you will, where um, there's a number of different types of exhibits that highlight oppressive eras or oppressive demographics within our country or globally. We paired this and did this in collaboration with Housing and Residence Life, where 
we had introduced at least 400 students, faculty and staff who came within the CGC to the Tunnel of Oppression Museum, if you will. And it was very well accepted, very well attended, and it had a lot of different aspects and awareness, some in regards to the Del Mar Divide, Black trans women and athletes, another one that highlighted food disparities, um, and also some of the differences in regards to our Asian community, specifically Asian community in media, and the oppressions that have focused on those demographics. These were put on by the specific residence halls within St. Louis University, and they chose their own oppression. They highlighted it and brought education here to SLU. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Wow. So was that student initiated? It's definitely student initiated. And most of the programs that we try to do within St. Louis, within the Cross Culture Center, are going to be heavily student focused and student initiated. And the reason why we do that is we want to do programming that students want. Right. And we want to center it around them. St. Louis University's Cross Culture Center is a student focused, student centered center. Okay. Um, And I know that we do work with faculty and staff, we welcome that. But it's student-centered. Students come into our office. Our faculty and staff come every once in a while. Another program that we do is our um, Safe Zone program. In our Safe Zone program, we've done two sessions that we've had this semester so far. And in that, we've had about 15 to 20 students, 20 participants in there. And that goes around faculty, staff, and students who have participated in that. And that's been very well accepted and participating in and a number of participants there who have attended. We have three particular sections that we do. The first one is very intro, talking about vocabulary, kind of easing you into the ideology of what is LGBTQ, what are the words and the vocabulary around that. I'm um, talking a little bit about the gingerbread man who, or gingerbread person, I should say, in regards to ex- gender expression. Um, so there's a lot of different activities that we put together to really kind of bring home the idea of what is LGBTQ. Then from there, we have a section section where we talk about, it's a little bit more advanced, where we're going to talk more about the trans community and how that fits in, also talking about microaggressions. Then we're bringing in some of the other intersectional pieces of race, gender, religion, ableism, all of those pieces into that. Then the third part of that is how do you become an ally? How do you actually become an activist, an advocate in the LGBTQ world or idea? Yeah, so there's three parts that one has to participate to be safe zone trained. Each one of those sections are at least two and a half hours long. So there's some institutions who are really quick to give you a safe zone training and give it and be done in two hours. We're very serious here at SLU because it's important for you to learn about the community, not just get a tidbit and then go home and say you're safe zone trained and really not have the education and the awareness behind it. Absolutely. A little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing. Exactly. It's about six hours, if we put it all together, six to seven hours worth of training that we do with that. And so it's a very welcomed workshop that we do. And it's very impressive in that a lot of our SLU community are coming in and wanting to be a participant in it. 
So let me ask you a follow-up to that. Is that an ongoing type of a program or does mm-hmm. it only happen certain times of the year? It happens certain times of the year. We try to do it at least once a month so that we, this first semester, we get our safe zone training one in. And then next semester, we'll go to two, but we'll include some ones and then we'll do it that way. So there'll be options for one, two, and three throughout the semesters. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. And can anybody sign up for that or is that mostly also for students? Anyone can sign up. It will be faculty, staff, and students that will be a participant in it. And they come in those groups. And you'll be surprised of those who participate and when they leave the feedback that we get of what they didn't know, or I'm glad to have been able to be comfortable saying the things that I could say without feeling curtailed or feeling admonished by or what have you. So it's a very safe and brave space Yeah, faculty, staff, and students alike. Oh my gosh. As I'm listening to you describe that, all I can think is, you know, for us to call ourselves a Jesuit university committed to education of the whole person. That is exactly what you're describing that entire program to be. It is educating people for greater respect, for greater understanding, for greater community, for greater collaboration, for greater relationship building, right? Right, Virginia. And I think that was the reason that we wanted to do the drag show. That is the reason why we consistently do the safe zone training, which is also why we do additional workshops. In the center, we also do workshops on microaggression, race, racial um, identities. But we do a lot of different workshops on isms and, um, and, and the issues in regards to those isms. And it's important for us to recognize that no one has the 100% answers of everything, including us, because there are things that we learn while we're doing these workshops. As a facilitator, and as I would call myself a consultant, if I went into said client's office and we're talking about what your needs are, We're going to put together a workshop that accommodates that. And so while the topic may be the same, your outcome may look different based on what it is that you need. So we've done um, those conversations around our fraternities and sororities. I have a staff member who um, does microaggressions and trainings around my Greek letter organizations and community. And it's been really very well accepted and participated in. And while we know many of those uh, fraternities and sororities have mandates, the feedback that we get from them about what they've learned, they didn't know, wow, this just confirms, this giving me some confidence in regards to now what I want to say or what I should want to do within my fraternity or sorority. So it's been a helpful thing. That is so cool. So it's funny, you know, it's, I'm a firm believer that kind of the more we look, the more we see and the more we see, the more we look. So addressing something like microaggressions, or as you were speaking about the more advanced safe zone programming with intersectionality, like Mm -hmm. addressing that, educating the community about that is one thing, but then that has a ripple effect for how people then behave, I would assume. Is that fair? It's very fair to say. One of the things we do here in the Cross Culture Center, we're not here to change your minds. We're here to broaden it. You are the one who's going to change your mind based on what you see and how much you see and how much you allow yourself to be open 
to what it is that you now get to observe and interpret. Right. We do good work here in the Cross Culture Center. We see a number of students that come through our office who are talking about their sexuality, who are talking about their uncomfortability because they're the only regarding their race, as well as their gender, you know, especially women of color. I can't tell you how many times I've had young ladies of color come in my office and have said, you know, it's very interesting being one of the only women of color in my field, not only women, but also a woman of color in engineering programs. I was going to sit in class and they see all these men, white men, Indian males, then you have some black men, and then we go into our white women, then women of color. What? It's right. it's the pressure that they feel, um, the isolation sometimes that they feel. All of those things are there. And so um, one of our coworkers who's no longer here, which was Charles, he had um, built a relationship or collaboration with the aviation program over there um, where we did some community service work with going out seeking young women of color who want to be in flight, uh, be aviating aviators and things of that sort. And so we had done a program similar to that. That is just a tidbit. Some of the things that we have done here in the Cross Culture Center. Another thing that we're doing as we're talking about things that we've done, we're collaborating with Housing and Residence Life again with our civil rights pilgrimage. And also that's something that Campus Ministry is helping us out with a little bit too, which will happen in the spring where we'll travel to some of those civil rights cities and look at those specific spaces, the museums, and kind of go through the traveling spaces of those who were enslaved, specifically as it relates to the civil rights era. Take about 20 students that will travel on us during spring break. So that's something that we're looking forward to. We have applications that are out right now. Um, so if any student is hearing this podcast and they're interested in going to and joining us on our civil rights pilgrimage, it'll cost about $200, which we can work that out if you have questions with that. But go fill out the application. Go to the Campus Ministries website and you will find the information around the civil rights pilgrimage please, we ask you to actually participate and come with us. You will not regret it. I know. That sounds so exciting. Mm -hmm. So, and just a little commercial afterwards. So for students who cannot participate in that, I would love to be able to do a panel conversation afterwards upon return, Mm -hmm. kind of do a before and after feel. What did you learn? What did it mean? Where does it go from here? That kind of thing. I think that would be obviously great because I think this will promote more about the civil rights pilgrimage. And also it will be a telltale for those students who are going to go and then what they experience after they've returned. Um, And it also becomes part of their CP1 experiential piece that they're getting from their um, CP1 coursing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I may be in touch with you afterwards. As we should be. (laughs) (laughs) Figure that out. Yeah. Excellent. So, so many things, so many good things going on. 
We also have in our center the Martin Luther King Scholars Program. So what typically happens then is that missions in, invites and also recruits students to be a part of the MLK Scholars Program. So typically we'll get about 60 to 70 students who are, there's about 700 people who apply, but we get about 10% that actually come into the program. Of that program, we have about 200 students total that we in the Cross-Culture Center house and we facilitate programming around that. They meet once a month on a Tuesday from 8 p.m. to about 10. That's late, but that's where we can get all the students together. We feed them, we do all their stuff, and the focus is on their service that they're doing within the community. That's how they get the scholarship. Right. So they are all open to doing, they all are required to do 10 hours of service per semester, maintain a 3.0 GPA. And look, many of those students are already doing the service, which is why we are inviting them into the program. And they come into the program and they're excited about, you know, activism. They're excited about service, you know, to the community. Very different than volunteering. Because when we volunteer, we volunteer and we're going, we could do a service and then we leave. With service, you go in, you are actually becoming integrated in the service that you're providing for those people that you're servicing. And you do it multiple times and you're giving them an actual service. Yeah. Now, I can go and stuff canned goods and boxes and leave. But if I'm doing a service, I'm actually feeding. I'm actually having conversations. Building actually, relationships. Building relationships. Yeah. 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 Okay. So tell me something anecdotal. Like what what are some of the best things that you've experienced in your roles? I've been in higher education for the past 20 years. What definitely gets me out of bed is why I joined and wanted to be a part of student affairs in the first place. And that are the students. Our students can make us crazy. <laughs> um, they can make us sad. They can make us extremely happy. And they are, at the end of the day, the reason why I do what I do. I still see myself in many of these students. Yeah, I see myself as that 19, 20-year-old first-generation college student who didn't know anything who was just excited to be here because I didn't think that I would ever make it there. Right. I come from a background of, you know, a lower economic social background. The only one to graduate from high school from my, of, of my siblings. And in my entire family to get a college degree, let alone a master's and a doctorate, I've exceeded beyond a family expectations. And I say that seeing these students Every day is me wanting them to be even more than I am. Um, I encourage that. And, and it's what I do. I enjoy to see their faces, even when they're doing those stupid things <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, are like, why would you do that? Why weren't you thinking? But to know that one day they're going to run our country. One day they're going to be someone's CEO. They're going to be someone's parent. And whether they want to admit it or not, I've had some sense of influence. There's some impact. Uh, well, yes. And the proof of the pudding in that is that it's not just that they're going to do that someday. They're doing that now. 
Yep. So a little funny thing. I just came back from vacation in New York <laughs> and um, I'm walking to my hotel. I, I love New York. I um, enjoy it. I, I navigate it like I'm a native and I've gone for years every Thanksgiving. So I'm in Brooklyn. Okay. And I'm off of, um, I just get off on J Street and I'm yep. walking down the way and I see a sweet greens and I'm like, this young lady looks familiar. So I knock on the window and they don't look up. That's a very New York thing to not do. They knock on the window and they still don't look up. And I knock on the window again and she looked up and she saw me and it was one of my past students in California. Oh my gosh. And they looked and said, Richard, and tears came down oh. their face. And so I went into the restaurant where they were and they hugged me so tight and said, oh my God, you are such a breath of fresh. I cannot believe who would I run into is my college hall coordinator, oh, wow. Richard Marks, my BSA, or they were BSU at the time, Black Student Union, advisor. You taught me so much that this is why I'm here navigating this space. Like, I feel so good about me and my and my confidence and who I am and blah, 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 blah. And this, it, it was just a surreal conversation. And it was wow. just refreshing because that was years ago, years ago. And to see this student now who is a full grown adult in production in New York City. Amazing. Doing amazing things. So it was great. I'm so glad you had that experience. As somebody in education, we don't always get that. You don't always see the fruit of the time and the energy and the sweat equity that you put into stuff. So I'm Yeah, so I often tell students like, hey, I want you to go out and make more money than me and do great things. Just give me the 10%. I know I'm not Jesus. I know <laughs> I'm not anybody's, you know, holy grail or anything. But if you can give me 10% of what you make, <laughs> I'll be a rich man from all the students that <laughs> Holy cow. oh my goodness wouldn't that be something wouldn't it be something i mean <laughs> education we're underpaid anyway from all the things that we do so yeah. if students could pay it forward or okay. you know give it back you know it'd be great imagine yeah. <laughs> all right well as we kind of wrap up time here, is there anything else that needs to be said? I have one thing that I want to go to, but so you can kind of collect your thoughts. But I am glad you brought up the drag show because that has been the source of many a conversation in our mm -hmm. office mm -hmm. and questions of how can how can we reconcile this kind of activity with the Jesuit Catholic identity and mission? Mm -hmm. I think over time you recognize that the mission exists in order to serve higher education from a Jesuit history and background, which is centered on belief in respecting each individual for exactly who they are and as they come. Yes. Educating so that we can build a stronger, better community mm -hmm. in relationship with one another because everyone belongs mm -hmm. <laughs> and believing not just that um, a diverse population should be tolerated, that inclusion is a good thing, that equity is something to be striven for, but that belonging is who we are, that we are one community. 
And we all belong to SLU and we belong to one another. I appreciate that. So that people can find themselves and be able to do that without the thought of like, I have to be quiet. I can't say. Yeah. I can't be who I am. Without and rejection. I, but and the yes, ma'am, the rejection. If I am able to explore who I am, think of how happier I'm how much happier I would be now than to wait 20 years to now say, oh my gosh, I wish I had done this 20 years. Yeah. So yeah. it's important for us to recognize that the humanness of everyone in spite of the identities and the social construct that has been created through our country and through this world. Okay. So what else, what else needs to be said before we wrap up here? Well, I, I, I would like for people here in our St. Louis university community to recognize that the cross culture center specifically, we do good work and we want all of you all to come into our center you know, come and have conversations with us. We're not going to agree with everything. That's okay. Yeah. But we have wonderful dialogue and our dialogue is sometimes to just plant a seed. That's our work. And sometimes we're able to grow and water them and nurture them. And sometimes the planting of the seed, someone else may go and germinate and grow it in a way that maybe we cannot. Exactly. But the seed is planted. That's the important piece. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, like the term missionary has gotten a bad rap because of the history to it and Mm -hmm. violations of colonialism and all of that. Right. But in the end, being a missionary is really about taking the mission and moving it forward and taking the mission and moving it into the community. So what you're describing in terms of planting seeds is a missionary initiative. It is taking our mission and just allowing it to grow in every corner of campus. Mm-hmm. I, and I would I thank you for that. And and, it, and that is very true, specifically within DICE. That is what we are set out to do. And while we're making, you know, some changes and, and putting together strategic thoughts and plans within our division, look for us as well. Yeah. To do great work. Um, we have a wonderful vice president in Rochelle Smith, And we are going to do some good things. One of the things I would say as we're going is training around diversity for our faculty and staff, specifically as it relates to some of our um, search committees and our specifically within our faculty. We're going to be doing that work. You all look forward to us doing that. And specifically, my wonderful face and voice you will hear uh, to come and facilitate many of those trainings. It's about the inclusion of everyone. Inclusion and belonging. Absolutely. Belonging, yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for this wonderful conversation and for the time uh, at this really super busy time of year. I'm really grateful for it. Yeah, thank you. Oh, one last plug. Sure. So next semester, look forward to our Atlas Week, which will be happening in April. If you're interested in actually joining Atlas and being an ambassador or anything of that sort, go on our website or go and sign up in one of the courses. You can go and look inside that and be under the African-American studies part. I think that's where the class is. But Atlas is one of our programs that does a lot of international um, and global um, awareness around uh, specific things around DEI work. 
Great. So those are just a few of the things that will be happening in the spring. We got a lot of other things happening, but just want to put those plugs in. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Enjoy, everyone. Thank you. Thank very you much so much. Yeah. And for all of you listening, don't forget to follow us on social media at Slew Jesuit Mission on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you know of a colleague who's living the mission out loud, but seems to be hidden in plain sight, give us a heads up so we can highlight the good work being done here in our community. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, in this year of hope, let's continue to celebrate together the gift of walking with youth in the creation of a hope-filled future. Because mission matters. You can engage the mission intentionally here at SLU and you can encounter it randomly. But good luck graduating without ever touching it in some way. God bless everyone.